just speak to everybody a little bit about some thoughts that I had and just some current events here in America just now. I want to tell you such an interesting story. I had to go buy a suit for the wedding. And um, it's a whole thing. Brooklyn is like a whole different ballgame. It's like a whole different world. Like, you know, I was, I was in Florida. It's like Florida. We have very good friends, Neriak of parents by the name of the Foxes, Eliezer and Marlene Fox. And they're always very, very accommodating. I had an opportunity to meet with many, many Talmudim. And I have to tell you, a lot of nachas from every single one of them, the ones that are, some of them who are Rabbanim and Clay Kodesh, and some of them who are working and supporting and part members of the community and building beautiful families. Each one, Kalechad, Be'echad, Lefi Daitai, Lefi Havanasai. I want to give everybody a bracha mitzvah. We should all have siyata deshmaya and be able to bring up our children properly. What's the topic for today? The topic for today is creating a better world. What's, what's, what's our role in creating a better place? I just want to tell you just now, right now, you know, I can't tell you all the details. Like, too crazy. It's too crazy. I'm hoping to go and meet Stephen soon in order to be able to buy him his first hat for his wedding, Mitzvah Shem. And that's, that's a, a great thing we're doing. And I had to run to go to a tailor to bring the suit. They sent me to some Chinese tailor, you know, the Chinese and everything else. And the traffic here in Brooklyn side, basically, I, I walked like three blocks in Brooklyn because I didn't want to have to get stuck in the traffic. And then as I was, I was able to do everything, I said, I got to be ready one o'clock. And then, you know, HaKadosh Baruch created man, that man sometimes, and I'm going to be very, very, uh, I'll try to be as able as I can. Sometimes you have to go and you have to, that's part of life. Life is that you have to go and you have to to, to, to find a, a bathroom. So what do you do in Brooklyn? You know, you're finding a bathroom. So I go close to the car and I see that there's a, a paint store, a paint store. I walk into the paint store. No one was there. It was empty. And I say, is anyone here? And a yid comes out. A yid comes out. And he says, um, I say to him, is it possible to use the, the, the bathroom? The facility says, Avada. Like, like, what was the question? He shows me, points me to the back room. And so how could I repay him? So I came out. You have to wash my hands. And I made the brocha shiotzar b'kol rum. And he answered, Amen. This is one of my... Look, look, look what goes on with, with Yidin. And he answers, Amen. He gives a kishmak, Amen. And then I said to him quickly, It's greater a person makes a, gives an Amen more than the one that gives a bracha. It's a chazal. So immediately, a, a paint store owner in Brooklyn with the chasidish yid said, doesn't say Godel He says, Godel doesn't say the word Amen. I said, you're right. I stand corrected. I can remember. I remember saying that myself. Very interesting. doesn't say God alone Amen. It says, God Why doesn't say Amen? That's a good kasha. But I just, now listen to this. So first of all, you see an amazing thing. A yid in Brooklyn has got a paint store dressed in a paint. And what was he doing? When I was coming out, he was sitting and listening to a shear while he was waiting there. And then I make a yid. He does a toiver for a yid. And I make a, an amen, because the greatest thing that I can pay him back with is to be able to have the opportunity to answer amen. That's, you know, that's really what it's all about. It's about making a Kiddush Hashem in the world. And then I tell him, I tell him, I'm a yid, I'm from Eretz Yisrael. He says, oh, shalom aleichem. So I said, you know, when are you coming? When he says, I've never been there. In my life, I've never been there. 
So I was like so amazed. I'm meeting a Yid that has never been in Eretz Yisrael, never been in Shalayim. It's like amazing. I said to him, I said to him in Yiddish, I said, you're from Satmer? I know the Satmer Hasidim, they have a thing, you know, because the Rebbe was anti the Medina and everything else. He says, no, I'm just a Yid and I haven't had an opportunity to go. The man must be at least 50, 55 years old, Rabbi Sai. And it really is a tremendous declaration. And I'm not trying to, this is not to, to at all criticize the people who have not had the opportunity to go to and have not gone there. So, but I think that every single one of you, including myself, that we've had the opportunity to come to Eretz Yisrael, to be in Eretz Yisrael. So we have to be very, very thankful that we have this opportunity. We have this, when I gave my brach, I said, Mashiach is coming, Hashem, you should be zeichel to come to Eretz Yisrael to greet him. He says, Amen. That he answered, Amen to Rabbi said the purpose that we're here in this world is in order to be Mekadosh and Shemayim. And uh, yesterday in Florida, I davened in a minion in Miami Beach. I think it's called Avas Torah. It's a new shul. And I had made up to daven there because one of the near Yaakov Talmudim, Joel Kleiner, lives in Miami Beach. And he said, we'll daven together and after davening we'll learn. And that's what happened. We were able to sit and learn. And uh, very beautiful shul, not a lot of people. But the people came to daven. And then after that, we sat down, and I, I ended up telling him a word, which I'm going to tell you. And as we were sitting there, as we were sitting there, a Yid comes over to us, an older man with a Hasidic accident, and he grabbed, it comes from Brooklyn. I'm sure he must be next to neighbors with this guy. <laughs> I made him he must be next to neighbors of his. And he says to, he says to us in like a, a Hungarian, Hungarian accent, he says, can I get you a cup of coffee? And I said, for sure, Avada. Oh, with a big, a nice smile, a nice Adela person. He says, can I get you a, with a cookie too? I said, for sure. And he goes out and he makes a coffee. He brings an elderly youth. Man must be in his 70s, maybe even 80. And he goes out and he brings a coffee. And he brings him a Zionist. And I thanked him. And then I started asking him if they made the bracha. And he also answered amen. And he saw that, and I introduced the Joel introduced because Joel knows him. Joel says, oh, "This is my rabbi from Israel, my Rosh Hashiva. Ah, wonderful." And then I said to him, "Where do you come from?" So he says, in Yiddish, "A kleinish detlo das gehert from Satmer." He comes from Satmer. He comes. He himself was born in Satmer. He 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 made it through the Holocaust. And then he told me a fascinating thing that he is. Uh, he lives in Brooklyn, but he's married, he's made children, grandchildren, maybe great-grandchildren. And he learned, he went there to Israel. So you see, you have two sides of the coin, you know. He was, he went there to Israel. And he, um, and he learned, where did he learn? I said, where did you learn there? They said, you learned in Satmar? He says, no, I learned in Erloi. Erloi. For those of you that went to Neryakov on the days when we were in Katamon, so you remember that there was a very, very wonderful big tzaddik by the name of the Erloyerov. And he was known as the Erloyer Rebbe, even though legally he's not really a Rebbe. He's not really a Rebbe. He's a, um, he's a, uh, a Ashkenaz. He's from the, from the Talmudim, the Chassam Serbian. He learned in Erloy. He learned, and I told him, I said, I had a big shaykhaz with the Erloyer because I was Zoycha. I ran a yeshiva and I had some of the boys that came to the yeshiva, their grandfather was very, very instrumental, Mr. Maurice Lowinger. 
and the father of Eli and Ben and Yitzi and Yaakov, who all spent time in their Yaakov. And Mr. Lowinger himself was a war hero, meaning to say he saved Yidden in the war. A famous story, a book that was written about him, Miracle from the Ashes. Anyway, the main thing I want to say is like this. So this Yid, he told me about an Erloi and... and, and uh, and then we started speaking about somehow, oh, I said, you learned in the Hasidish yeshivas, but I said, Erloi is not really such a Hasid, it's, Has, it's not really Hasidish. It's more than Hasam Cypher. And the derech of learning, I said, the Erloi Rub was a big, big Lamdan. He was a big Lamdan. He was known to be a very big Lamdan. And I told him that in my book, I wrote about the Erloi Rub. And I said, the two Rebbers that I write about, the Erloi and the um, Slonimer, the Nasiva Sholem, I was Ochotah with. And it's interesting, it came out that both of them, the stories that I write about them have to do with miraculous events that took place. If you take a look at the book, I and Shom, the story on the Slonimer and the story on the lawyer, both of them have like some, some maifsim. I said, it's very interesting, like the two Rebbes, they have maifsim, but the Litvisha, the Litvish, they, they don't have maifsim. So I'm going to speak a little bit, some stories about Litvish in a second. I want to tell you a great part that he told me. What a great part. He told me, he says, I told him a joke about the Satmar Rebbe. The Satmar Rebbe, I, I told, what was my joke that I told him? I said, I heard that when the, when the, when the Satmar Rebbe had to go for citizenship, in the old days used to go in front of a judge and you had to have like, you had to study like U.S. patriotic events. And you had to know history. So he came, the Satmar Rebbe came, you know, I, I don't know if he, if he studied or not. He came with the, with the Gabbai, and I, I said to this person, I said, his name was Ashkenazi. I said, Avada Ashkenazi, who's known to be the Gabbai, Shamus. And the, the, the judge sees the very distinguished rabbi. He says to the uh, Gabbai, he says, could you please ask the distinguished rabbi if he could tell me which president his face is on the dollar bill? So the, the rabbi quickly retorted in Yiddish to the Gabbai. He says, Zug de Uro. Zug de Uru, I'll explain this in Yiddish as best I can. Zug de Uru is a chop kemalish gazen weinziger from the hundred two. He says, tell the non-Jew, yeah, that I've ne I never saw less than a hundred dollar bill. <laughs> the Satmar Rebbe used to bring him by the hundreds. No one ever gave the Satmar Rebbe a dollar bill. If you gave the Satmar Rebbe a dollar bill, boy, yeah, you'd, you'd run out with busha. So we, he, he had a big laugh about that. Then he told me this Gavaldigavart, this is Gavaldigavart. Sat Rebbe was so clucky, he was so smart. So he said there was a boy that learned in Satmar, and he decided that he doesn't like the, the derech of learning. He wants to go learn in the, 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 the real yeshivish ways. Real yeshiva, yeshivas. So he went to learn in a famous yeshiva called Beis HaTalmud. There's one there, Yaakov Rebbe, that learned in Beis HaTalmud, Rabbi Shvei. Rabbi Shvei learned in Beis HaTalmud. Beis HaTalmud, there were yeshivas, were great Talmudim of the Mir Yeshiva that came over in Shanghai. And the, the head of it was Rebleib Malin. Rebleib Malin, who was a giant in learning and, uh, and other great Rosh Yeshivas there. And they were known to learn very, very slow. They learned very methodical. Everything was lumbus. And they, you know, a whole Zaman, you can fill a whole notebook filled with notes. Yeah, on just a few blad of Gemara, five blad of Gemara, six blad of Gemara, 10 blad of Gemara was like a whole thing. On Yantif, this boy that went to learn in Beis Talmud came back to Satmar and he met the Rebbe. And the Rebbe says, No, how's the learning going? 
So he says, he loves it. They learn you know, they learn Shubas Rekiva Eger. So the Satmar Rebbe says to him, how much did you learn this van? So he says, we learned three blot. You know a little about the Chafetz Chaim there. They learned very, very slow. So he said, we learned three blot. So the Rebbe said, three blot of Gemara. He says, it's a, it's, it's a waste of time. And then he said to him, he said, I want to tell you, I have a proof from the Torah that this is not the way to learn. The way to learn is what they learn by Chassid. They learn a lot of Bikiyas. They learn a lot of Halacha. He says, to learn only three blood of Gemara Be'i and is like a terrible shame. Rav Shach himself used to scream about the people that learned very, very little. But Samuel said, what's the proof of the Torah? We know that when Yaakov Avinu had to go down to Mitzrayim, so it says, who did he send? As Yehuda, Shalach Lefanim. He sent Yehuda to go build the yeshiva. Rashi says, to build the base of Medrash. So, um, so the Sat Rebbe is very good kasha. Why did he send? Why did he send Yehuda? Yosef was there. Yosef was the viceroy of Mitzrayim, and he was a Talmud Chacham. So he really had what's called Torah Gedulah B'Makom Echad. He had business acumen, and he also was a Talmud Chacham. So why did he have to send Yehuda? He should have just said, "Told Yosef, Yosef, build yeshivas." Sat Rebbe answered, "No." Because we know what happened when Yosef wanted to send a message to his father that he was still religious and he didn't go off to Derek. What did he send? Who remembers? He sent wagons. Why did he send the wagons? Agolos. He wanted to remind his father that he was still from, that he was still, he learned the sugi of, Eg, the last sugi they learned was the sugi of Egla Arufa, which was a, a remez from the concept of Agolos. So the Sabbath said, you know why Yaakov Avina didn't send Yosef? Didn't tell Yosef to be the He says, after 22 years, he's still holding in the sukkah. He hasn't gone any further than Egla Rufa. <laughs> he says, he's a battling. He says, you have to get someone that learns slushas. What a gewaltige word. I love that word. So geschmack. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So now I want to tell you. So let's hear. What do I hear? You know, I'm here in Brooklyn. I'm looking at trains, Hasidim. Asians, oh, everything. There's so many things out here in the world. I was in Florida. I saw all kinds of people. You know, Florida is, is more beautiful, more expansive. Brooklyn has a certain type of, what can I tell you, old world, shtetl type of thing. Stores, clothing, uh, merchants. But you don't realize, in the midst of everything, when you go into a storekeeper over here and you need to use the facilities, the first thing is avada, mitzvah. And then when you come out, what do you do? You make a bracha, and he answers, Amen. And then when you tell him a Gemara, he knows it cold. And he tells you, you, can't, you, you misquoted, Amen. So we're living in a world where a Jew has the ability to make the world a better place. And the, making the world a better place is us recognizing that our actions the way we live, the way we breathe, the way we talk, it makes a very big difference in the world. When you hear the way people talk, I always say over the story that when I, many, many years ago, I had to go to the state, I was in the States, I had to renew my license. I'm from Maryland, so I had to go down to the, to the uh, uh, Maryland um, DMV. And, um, and I remember I went to, well, I remember when I had taken my first driving lesson, so it was in the old neighborhood, 
here where we used to live, which was a very colorful neighborhood. I won't say anything more than that. And uh, I went to that particular district. And when I remember when I came in, so I was standing in line and there were, you know, all different kinds of lines. And I had, a, I was coming from, I'd come from Eretz Yisrael. I had a Chumash or Mishnayas or Gemara. I was learning. I'm standing in line and then I'm listening to the conversation going on. And I, I listen, I'm not like listening to because I want to listen to everything. This way people were talking. And this, it was like amazing, amazingly, how would I say it? Um, disillusioned, amaz- uh, amazingly decrepit, amazingly eye-opening. Like every second word that came out of people's mouth was a certain word which begins with a certain letter, which I don't have to tell you what that letter is, right? But it was like every, oh, sing- oh. every single second word. And I couldn't understand the context of what like conversational conversation is why do you why do you use that word? But the word was used over and over and over. And I was like, you know, coming from Harnov, coming from being in Eretzisol for so many years, and I'm listening to this language, this horrific, horrific language. And there's a famous Ramban. They say over the Ramban, the Ramban speaks about why the Roshna code is called Roshna Kodesh. And the, this, the answer they give is because if you the the, the language of derogatory isms. You don't find in Lashon Hakodesh. You don't find Lashon Hakodesh. Lashon Hakodesh is Lashon Hakodesh because we're very, very careful about our speech, and the the, the carefulness of speech, and the the decorum, and the 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 tahara, the purity, is what we are supposed to create in our lives, and with our with our families. Now, I had a discussion while I was here with many many Talmidim about. The um, you know social media and how it affects how it affects not only ourselves but more importantly I would say more importantly it, it affects ourselves which is just as important but how it's affecting our children and the dialogue and the issues that are out there in the four LBGT and 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 everything else which is comes out and language and and, and dress now the truth is this issue has been an issue for many many years. But we're speaking to a certain Talmud and we were just discussing about how, you know, we don't realize what effect it's happening, it's, ha- it's having upon the discourse of the next generation. And what's the next generation going to be like? You know, the fact that we're, we're kind of like connected so much to that item, which has the ability, if we use it for good, use for good. But if you don't use it for good, it's going to use a lot of bad then we have to realize that our children are also affected by it. And, and, um, and this is what a Yid's job is in this world. A Yid's job in this world is to lead a life and, and to have a discourse, and to have a, have a refinement of character. A refinement of character. I want to tell you over a word. This word, I'm probably going to use it tomorrow somewhat in the parish, but you're going to get a preview, so you'll either have to just say, okay, I don't have to listen to the Dvaratar tomorrow, or you'll, hit, listen to the pre- you'll listen to the preview, and you'll see if there's anything more that I say tomorrow that deals with this. But there's a good of insight, which I learned together with Joel Kleiner this week, and I'll just mention it. In this week's parish, we speak about Aaron Akayim passing away. Two people passed away in this parish. It's Miriam and Aaron Akayim. And uh, when Aaron Akayim dies, we know what it's supposed to say, but Yifku, Kolbe Yisrael. All of Kla Yisrael, 
died, and it says they died for, for 30 days. They, they, 30 days they, they, were, they were mourning, they were mourning um, Aaron Akain. And Rashi points out, why did they mourn Aaron Akain for 30 days? Because he was Oyev Shalom, Rodev Shalom. And he, then he changed, he speaks the language, he used the language, basically I'm going to paraphrase, take a look at the Chumash, you can see it inside. The, um, the passage like this, the Yifkas Aaron Shloshim Yoim, so Rashi says, why Place is Ava between two people who are arguing, people who have arguments, people who are fighting with each other, and between man and his wife. Between man and his wife. That's the lesson that Rashi brings in. He's quoting an officer of Nasim. Now, the truth is, there's a similar Rashi in Devarim. You take a look at the Devarim at the end of Sevador, Mazoisabrocha. It speaks about the death of Moshe Rabbeinu. Here, I don't have the pasuk in front of me, but all the way at the end of there, it says that Moshe Rabbeinu dies, and there it says Vayifku Beis Yisrael. It doesn't say Kol Beis Yisrael. And Rashi, there comments, he says by Moshe Rabbeinu because he was the leader, so therefore not everyone died, but it was different than Aaron. And over there, the lashon is like this. He says also he was Ohev Shalom, and he says these words, basically these words. The no saying shalom, he places shalom uh, between people who are fighting. Bain isha labala. Interesting. Between man, isha, excuse me, between woman and her husband. Here it says bain isha ishto. So first of all, there's two, two, two ha'aras. One says the lashon of matil, placing, and one says the lashon of no saying. What's the difference between the two? Why does Rashi use it differently in the Misa of Aaron and in the Misa of Moshe? He's talking about the same personality. Uh, here also he uses the Lushen of Bein Ish, the Ishtov, there it says Bein Isha Labala. So my friend Rip Shragi Nubiger, he pointed this out and I added on to it. So I'm going to tell you the add-on. The add-on is like this. When Aaron died, there was a tremendous, um, a tremendous uh, loss because people recognize how far Aaron had gone. Aaron was the one, everyone went to when they had a, a difficulty, they went to Aaron and Aaron was the one who was such a lover of peace that he uh, he was able to make he make peace. I was speaking to someone recently, they said, you know, you know, sometimes you have uh, people pass away and then there's uh, inheritance and then the kids are fighting over it. Uh, there's so many things that can go on in family life. You know, it's just beyond, 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 beyond. Great, great people, they tried to help other people to not have the stress of, of family discord. When Aaron died, they immediately felt, whoa, they, everyone recognized, especially the people that had been, that had been uh, uh, participants and had been uh, people who had, had um, gotten benefit from Aaron, they realized he was Mato Shalom between people who were fighting and between Ishtu Ishto. Now Moshe Rabbeinu dies how much longer after Aaron? Within the same year, a couple months later. Aaron died first, Moshe died second. When this is what Rashi is telling us. This is what I feel is the right shot. That Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moshe Rabbeinu died, people again they cried. And now Rashi comments and he's showing us the effect that the loss of Aaron was now felt in a greater fashion. When he died, it was felt in the in the in, this, in the in the um, situation and in the effect 
of what's called matil shalom. Matil shalom means like you place shalom on people. Sometimes if you have like, you know, I just, you know the way I'll just describe it, you know, sometimes you can't do this. You know, you can't go through this. You know, you're fighting with each other. You, 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 so it doesn't make sense. And you're matil shalom. Between two people, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. You'll figure it out logically why it's not going to, it's not worth it. You know, you got you to gotta be together, either partners in business, people, you know, I know all kinds of people, you have jobs, you have work with bosses, you work with coworkers. You got to learn how to be matil shalom. Bein ishle ishto is the relationship between a man and a wife. Yeah, a man and a wife. That's called man and wife. But there's something else. This is what's called no sin shalom. No sin shalom is, is that it, it's a matana. The shalom comes in as a matana. And the relationship between the husband, the woman and her husband is isha labala. She has like a certain respect and it works both ways. The Rambam says, you know, the husband has to have the same respect for the wife. But the language is isha labala. It was a more of a deeper connection. Klaishel saw in a very short time the effect that Aaron Hakayan had left upon the, um, the void that had been left when he passed away. In the initial stages, it was the stage of Mato Shalom. It was a stage of Ben Ishla Ishto, Ben people are fighting with each other. Later on, it became more evident the depth of what Aaron Hakkarin had created, which was he was no Shen Shalom. Everyone felt so positive. Look what Aaron Hakkarin had done for us. And, you know, it's just an amazing, amazing thing. So we're going to. I'm going to use one story to illustrate this. The um, Reb Aaron Cutler's at Sal. Everyone knows who was Reb Aaron? Head of Lakewood. He was a genius, tremendous Talmud Chacham. He, he, he was able to um, transplant Torah in America in such a way that today we're the recipients of everything that Lakewood and Reb Aaron put it into the world. The Lakewood Kalim, the concept that the Torah is so important, BMG, everything, all the Talmudim that have come out from Lakewood. Really amazing, amazing effect. He was a genius. His love for Torah was unbelievable. His shiurim was so deep. But people don't realize that in all of his greatness in Torah, people don't realize how great he was in chesed and in kindness and caring about people. Let me tell you this story. It's amazing. Rabbi Aaron, when Lakewood was founded, Lakewood was a small yeshiva, 50, 60, 70 people. And Rabbi Aaron passed away to maybe 100 people in the whole yeshiva. It was in Lakewood because Rabbi Aaron felt to be in Brooklyn, a little bit like I'm feeling today, you know, it's just, you know, it's not the way to get boys to be able to steig. You got to be away from the society. You got to be away from the from it. So they moved to Lakewood. Rabbi Aaron himself lived in Brooklyn. He lived in Bar Park. Why did he live there? Why didn't he move to, and he only came to Yeshiva on Shabbos. He would be there, maybe come other time. That's what I understood. I'm not saying he wasn't there every day. That's what I understood. But why? Because he had to raise money, and the place to raise money was where? It was New York. He raised money not just for the yeshiva. He raised money for all the different causes. He, he was very involved with the Hatzalah from the people that for doing the Holocaust. He was very involved with Chinuch Hatzmoy. All the major things and initiatives, Torah Masorah, it was all Reb Aaron, Reb Aaron, Reb Aaron. And the place to be was in New York. So he would daven during the week in Brooklyn. Where would he daven? He would daven at a little shtibel. And that shtibel, there were a lot of Holocaust survivors. And Rabbi Aaron Eftami would go over to every single one of them, would ask them, how was your night? How are you doing? Did you get a job? He was always very encouraging, always being machazic people. There was one particular person who had lost everything in, in the Holocaust. He had lost his wife, he lost children, he lost his family members. He came over, he was, can you imagine, he was what's called depressed and down and out. 
And Abiram was always trying to pick him up. And I said, yeah, get a job. And Mitzvah Hashem, you'll get remarried. And he said, nah, I don't want to get remarried. Why should I bring children into the world? He says, no, you're going to get remarried. You're going to have a daughter. And I promise you, if you have, you're going to have a daughter. And I'm going to come to her. I'm going to dance in her chasana. That's like a thing he said there. And this person listened to Abiram. He got married. He had, and nine months later, ten months later, his wife gave birth to a baby girl. Yivaldik Simcha could be they made a kiddush, not like a kiddush like in Lawrence or in the Psaic, right? Or in Five Towns, right? But, you know, a little kichel, a little chayim. Maybe Baron was there. Maybe gave a bracha. And the girl grew up in Brooklyn. She went to the Beis Yaakov from family. And she went to first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. I think fifth grade when she was 10 years old. Unfortunately, Rebaran Cutler passed away. Now, she herself didn't know that Rebaran had told her father this. It could be the father even forgot about it. It was 10 years after the baby was born. But that promise that Rebaran had given, that's it. You know, he passed away. That's what happens. Okay, life continues. Those gets older, older, 17, 18. She graduates from high school. She starts getting a job. She starts going out in Shaduchim, 18, 19. When she's 20 years old, 10 years after Rebaran was nifter. She got engaged to a Ben Torah, to a Yeshiva Bacher, a Bacher who didn't learn in Lakewood. Bacher learned Tervedas, Chaim Berlin. And what happened? She got married. In the middle of the wedding, a lot of Yeshiva boys were there. His Rashiva was Misari Kedush. And all of a sudden, Rabbi Schneir Cutler, the son of Rabbi comes into the wedding and goes over to the, to the Chassan and starts dancing with him. And he makes a whole scene. And then he takes the father of the Kala and he dances with him. Mamish made a lebedic, and then he didn't just leave, he stayed there. If you know anything about Schneider, he probably had five other weddings that night, ten other weddings that night. He stayed there. And the father of the Kala was so happy they came over to him. Oh, Schneider, yes, you're going to feel so bad that you came. But I got to ask you, why did you come? I didn't even send you an invitation. What's your shadow? The boy didn't learn in Lakewood. He says, I want to tell you, my father made a promise that he was going to dance at your daughter's chasna. And three days before he was nifty, he called me into his office. And he told me a list, he gave me a list of things that he felt were unfinished business. And one of the things that he said to me is that Yenem's daughter is gonna, is gonna get married and you have to go as my shnich, you have to go dance for three years before, excuse me, 10 years before this person, this child was even thinking about being eligible for marriage. Rabbi Aaron was thinking about her. Rabbi Aaron was thinking about what a, a Holocaust survivor promised that he had made and the child of the Holocaust survivor. And Rip Schneier went to fulfill it. Unbelievable, my son. I remember when I said over this, my son, the yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, that night I went home and it happened to be, I looked at the calendar, it happened to be the yard side of Rip Schneier. It was like unbelievable. Like that, I saw that, my son, it was like, I didn't realize it was the yard side of Rip Schneier. Rabbi said, this is what, the Gedolim teaches, Oev Sholem, Rodev Sholem, Oev Sabrias, make a Kiddush Hashem. Become, do your, do your role. Every single one of us has a role to play in our family lives, in our business lives, in the, in the world that we live in, to make the world the place that you can say that the Rabbanu Shalom created the world for man and he wants it to be in Ganadin. This is the Ganadin. The Ganadin is when you have the good midas, you talk properly, you act properly, you think properly. So anyway, I want to wish everybody a bracha, mitzvah, should be a good Shabbos for everybody. We should share it. So
Thank you for listening to this Foundation's podcast production. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. Thank you and have a wonderful day.